Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Here are your hosts. Dave A.C. and The Sick Doctor. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Happy New Year and hello and welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Yes, I'm back. Yeah, just when you thought the show was getting good and Dave was the only one here. <laughs> uh, dear, dear, dear. Yes, we're back. It's a brand new year. It's a brand new us. No, actually, it's the same old us. Um, well, especially Dave. He's old. Um, <laughs> I haven't done this in a while, so I've got to get all these bad puns out of my system. So you'll have to excuse me. I think that's what everybody usually does, isn't it, Dave? Hello, Dave. It isn't it? Hey, yeah, and uh, I'm still itching. Uh, well, that's what the badge says anyway. <laughs> There's a cream for that. Yeah, well, it was your idea. Seventy years and still itching, and uh... yes, verging on eight. Verging. On eight. Yeah, yeah, he's very generous with his presents. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yes. I just went out and bought myself some new presents ah! and house and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's been a great year for me. Uh, we're in, we're in brand new digs. We're no longer renting. We're our homeowners again. I've got my own Colton studio. Wine and wine-colored walls. How's your new di- your uh, new year, Dave? Well, uh, we made it through and are alive. I think that's a, a win-win already. Um, yeah. So yeah, very happy. Indeed, you do. Yeah. Uh, let me wish everybody here a happy new year, and our listeners later, uh, and indeed all those people that have stayed with us, and the people that are our friends on other podcasts. Uh, that we talk about, uh, namely Podshock and Discussing Who, and one or two others uh, here and thereabouts. Yeah, I'm looking forward to 2017. I hope we're going to get back on the horse a little bit more. We had a rather easy run of, uh, I think we only did about uh, one episode a month uh, on average last year. Uh, But we've got a thousand hours of back episodes for people to listen to. You know, should they feel as though they need sackcloth and ashes, need to suffer, um, I mean, there are some people that uh, was it have a dry January or a dry February. Don't believe in things like that. A bit too drastic to my mind. But uh, yes, I had a lovely time. It was my uh, time to do the, the Christmas dinner. It cost me a fortune because I had to buy a new cooker to make sure that the meal was edible and didn't poison anybody. But I had the lovely bonus of my daughter and son-in-law join my uh, son and the rest of the family. Uh, they were going to... Um, uh, the in-laws family house but uh, unfortunately they had a little bit of illness we had a little bit of noise there from you Ian I think you're breathing well I'll stop that right away <laughs> and 
yeah, uh, really good. And um, I'm just really pleased to get through 2016 and uh, uh, back on the trail, as it were. Is anybody else here with us? No. Sorry, I was stopping my fan. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody here. Nobody except for no. these uh, squirrels. Anyway, joining us on audio, he keeps interrupting me, so I'll interrupt him again so I can introduce him, so he can interrupt me. (laughs) It's Rick Wall. Hello, Rick. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) Uh, So how was your New Year, sir? Uh, Not bad, not bad at all. Uh, Glad 16's over with, and Mm. uh, hopefully my health problems are, too. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm here, and I'm alive, and, uh, missed you guys. Thank but you. your aim's improving? Huh? Oh. But your aim is improving? Yes. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I know, I was just about to un- un- unmute the mic, but, uh, I don't have that uh. power today. <laughs> there we go. And just joining us on audio, Mr. Randall Thor is here. Hello, Mike. Hello, hello, Ian. Hello, Dave. Hello, Rick, and everyone else. Hi, Mike. Hello. hello. How's your new year treating you? About a, a week into this uh, new year, this uh, all sorts of new shenanigans are going on here, both in real world and with what I'm planning with podcasts. So we'll see where, where all that goes. Line of <laughs> Excellent. Sounds great. All right. One more person to introduce us on audio. And that's Mr. Cuddly Ken. Hello, oh. Ken. Hello, Ian. Congrats on the house. Thank you, thank you. That's fantastic. Yeah. Hi, Dave and Rick. And everybody, glad to be here. Glad to make it to 2017. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. And had a wonderful New Year's. And looking forward to today. Feeling all Mysterio. Mysterioso. Ah. It must have been that big tablet the doctor gave you to swallow. (laughs) Told you, stop eating iPads. (coughs) Boom. Let me get that sound effect loaded. All good as. Right, you're done. Yeah. (laughs) All that and. uh, Ian was right, and I was wrong. Oh, you'll never lose that one. Where's that bicycle one when you wanted it? (laughs) There's a a, um, a restraining order against me for that one. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Oh, dear. I I suppose you want the cone now, do you? Yeah, might as well have the cone, since it's been a while. Oh, I've got that somewhere, wherever it is. Oh, here it is. Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? All right. What? Joining us, joining us, jo- joining us under the... Cone is Mr. Dar Skeptical. Don't know why he's not only on audio today, but we're glad you're here, Dar. Glad to see you. Haven't seen you in a while. Well, you haven't seen me in a while. Matt Hell is here. Uh, is that? Huh? 
Zeprodop. I hope I said this right. Zeprodozer. Rose. Rose Dozer? Rose Dower. There. That Rose Dower. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell you I'm out of practice. Um, but unfortunately, we do not have um, Um I think oh. you have some family commitments at the moment. Um, and we wish you well, sir, and your mom. So, uh, that's where you are today. Then, uh, good thoughts coming your way. Alrighty. Um, we're just going to get straight down to it, won't we, Dave? Yeah, I don't think we've got any news, although I will just announce that um, for those people that are not aware, the, the Golden Globe um, are actually uh, on in about uh, just over five hours. Um, and that's the, uh, I mean, the, the if you go to, um, I think I put the link in the room earlier, if you go to the Variety page, the Golden Globe nominations complete list uh, is up there. Um, I, well, let me just mention a couple because um, in the best motion picture musical or comedy uh, one of the ones is Deadpool Ian so you'd be pleased about that Ooh, along with uh, uh, 20th Century Women La La Land Florence Foster Jenkins Sing Street uh, uh, in the drama it's uh, Hatshaw Ridge Hella High Water Lion Manchester by the Sea <laughs> oh, uh, Moonlight um, and then there's some best performances. Uh, uh, Casey Affleck. Oh, uh, let me put the link back in the room. I don't want to go through all of those, but um, I think in in our neck of the woods, uh, the one that um, people may be interested in was um, uh, it's um, yes the uh, the game in the best television series drama. Uh, somebody here was mentioning The Crown. I think it was uh, was it you, Kenneth? Yeah. Uh, saying how good it is. That's nominated, along with Game of Thrones, uh, Stranger Things, which quite a few of us have been admirers of, uh, This Is Us and Westworld. And um, uh, for, let's do the best performances, because we're mainly talking about TV here, don't we? Best performance by an actor in television drama is uh, Rami Malek in Mr. Robot, Bob Odenkirk, Better Call Saul, Matthew Reese, The Americans, uh, Livy Scribbler, is that? Sorry about that. Thank you. Ray Donovan, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, Goliath. And for an actress, um, uh, Katrona Balfi, is it, in Outlander. Claire Foy, The Crown, she's playing uh, Elizabeth in that. Kerry Russell, The Americans. Winona Ryder, The Stranger Things, she plays the mother in that. Uh, Evan Rachel Wood in Westworld, and um, I'm not sure whether I need to go through all the others. Uh, oh yes, um, one I want to mention because uh, best performance by an actor in a limited series on motion picture made for television, uh, and that is Tom Hiddleston in The Night Manager. Um, but there's um, a lot of other performances there that I'm sure other people and Sandy you. Andy Newton in Westworld. But again, I'll put that link in the room. That's um, later on today. Um, I think it's 5 p.m. Pacific time uh, that goes live. Oh, I have but a very, that... very quick news item. Okay. A uh, friend of Colton, Rachel Bloom, uh, just made an announcement on Facebook today that her show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend has just been renewed for a third season. 
Oh, okay. that's good news. So that is fantastic. Yeah, we knew her when, right, Dave? We we almost discovered her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost. And I really recommend uh, her episode next week. It'll be guest starring Patty Lapone. Oh, cool. You know, very famous Broadway star and actress. From Northport. Yeah. Hmm? From Northport, the town right next to me. <laughs> but oh. uh, so many awards, and she'll be on uh, next week. She's going to be a singing rabbi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excellent. Of course, we've got, we've got quite a lot of good TV on at the moment. The uh, second episode of Sherlock, the three-part Sherlock, is on here in the UK tonight. And one of my favourite programmes is restarting. Only four episodes of it. Endeavour, which is uh, you know, uh, Inspector Morse. It's the young Morse, Endeavour Morse. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's set in the mid-60s. I think it's set in uh, uh, 19... <laughs> this is funny, uh, Ken. I think you'll appreciate it as well. Maybe more than some of the others here. But, um, it, it's set in 1967. I said to my brother, I mean, that's getting a bit near modern times, that. And then I suddenly realised that was 50 years ago. <laughs> I mean, the Beatles were breaking up about then. I mean, <laughs> I mean, swinging 60s, I don't think of that as history. I think of that as the good times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and speaking of... Speaking of your book, um, uh, if anybody has... Um, the um, the PBS app on their Roku, you can access it there, which is great because uh, normally I'd have to find it elsewhere because we didn't have cable. But I have the uh, PBS app on my Roku, which is a streaming device, for those of you who don't know. Um, and also it has been announced that the season four finale is going to be shown in cinemas. Oh. So, yeah, in, in, in U.S. cinemas um, on exclusively for two nights on January 16th and 18th. That's all. Yeah. One personal thing. Go on. Sorry, that, uh, you can get details on that on, of course, you can go to the PBS Sherlock webpage and also uh, um to uh, locate whether they're going to be showing it as a theater near you. Well, while I just unmute Darth and he gets himself set up, he may have some news, but... Um, uh, I was supposed to be going to see Rogue One this last week, but uh, one of our little band of brothers that were going together went and sneaked and went to see it himself. So uh, we ended up having to go see a different sci-fi. I went to see Passengers last night, uh, but I really enjoyed it. Um, it. It reminded me a lot of The Martian in terms of it it being sort of, you can't say really based in reality, but what I mean is, it, you know, it didn't it didn't veer off suddenly halfway through into horror or anything. Right. It kept with the with the with the space theme. It was what I would call semi hard science fiction. I suppose it's a love story as well in many ways. But uh, do you want to introduce Darth into the room? And he may well have news for us. Certainly. And uh, Mike just put in that he has a little bit of news too. But first to Darth. Hello, Darth. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good, good, ah, good. Good, we're Happy hearing you nicely. Yeah, happy new year. Good. And to you. I can't believe you wouldn't go see Rogue One just because some other dude went off and saw it instead. That makes well, uh, zero I, I, sense to my brain. Well, there's two things. One, being my brother-in-law may go see it on another night. 
Uh, but secondly, I may right. I may just wait to get it. It may be just the reason. It may be just the impetus for going by myself an ultra Blu-ray player. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but it's weird because uh, you you uh, are not um, dissimilar from your compatriots in that um, UK box office on Rogue One is. I mean, it's great. It's sixty-six million. You can't really complain. You know, that's a dollar for just about every Briton there is. But um, you know, that's a third off the pace of. Uh, no, it's two thirds off the pace of um, Episode Seven, which is weird because most people who are Star Wars fans think that it's a better film than um, Episode Seven. So uh, you know, I, I can't. I just can't. You've not seen it at all. It's been out since the 16th, and you're not. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it. No, no, I haven't seen it either. Wow, the, the, the willpower, it, the willpower involved in you guys is just—it's it's not that it's tremendous. We, <laughs> we just bought a house, and we're we're saving yeah, up money yeah, to go. Yeah. We're going to New Zealand um, next month. I was in the hospital twice, once this oh, summer wow. and once between Christmas and and New Year's. Ah. Yeah. Thanksgiving and Christmas. So. I, I really want to go see it totally here. It's awesome. Yeah, and I, and I catch in these, I catch in these stories in my cinema that people sort of shout out and cheer and make all sorts of noises. Really yeah. ruin the performance yeah. art, you know. No, no, it's great. It was great. I mean, it depends on which which audience you're talking about. But certainly in the early audiences of the film, because you know I love to go audience shop on Star Wars <laughs> films. And in in the early showings of this thing, oh man. Just the just the little details that are in it, like totally make no difference to anybody who knows nothing about Star Wars. You can watch the film; doesn't require anything. It is not. I don't think it's a fan service film, but it ends up giving more details to people who know more about Star Wars. Just crazy things that you are not expecting. You're in the middle of this very intense story, and then all of a sudden something happens. And you're like, "Wait a minute, was that who I thought that was? Oh, yes, it was." And so you end up having to, you know, shout about it because it's just fun. But, uh, yeah, great, great film. And um, I think it's has it, it's done pretty well. I mean, this is nowhere at the level of um, Episode 7 in terms of domestic performance. But, I mean, it still is hovering around a billion worldwide right now, which is, you know, no small thing and certainly validates the Disney model of trying to find things that are stories to tell that are not directly to do with the um, Skywalker saga. Although I, I got my issues on whether this is not directly in the Skywalker saga, but still that's what they're calling it. And at least it, it it definitely has validated the, um, this new Disney model, which augurs well for Han Solo films and the Lando film and whatever else was coming down the pike. Uh, before we go to Mike and find out what his news item was, one thing I read is that, uh, unfortunately, with the passing of Carrie Fisher, apparently the studios had insured her life. They're going to get something like $50 million, aren't they? Uh, because she's not going to be able to reprise her role in an upcoming film. Uh, uh, she shot her scenes in that film, so from what I've understood. For the next one. Uh, yes. it's about But she was supposed to have an even bigger part in the in the one following, uh, yeah, which is probably I don't know what I don't know what they're going to do. I personally, and I know this may sound like sacrilege to people, I hope they recast. I hope they don't. My thoughts too. Character. I would. I mean, this to me is sort of a 
a Dumbledore situation. And um Oh yeah, yeah that was I, 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 I think that the story of the Skywalkers depends on both of the twins and I, I really I hope that they recast. And I I don't mean any disrespect about that. I of course am it's more disrespect to CGI. And I, I take it her daughter's but... too young, isn't she? I mean, I, I don't know whether she's an actress, but well, her daughter's not... already in the film. The problem, oh, yeah, the daughter's oh, too right, young, right, but the yeah, daughter yeah. is already a character in Episode Seven. So, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Um, so, I, I really just hope that they recast, but um, you know, just just a tragedy. Uh, but at the same time, I, I was moved in the what was it? Was it a Barbara Walters special or 2020 or something? They had. Um, they were interviewing the brother, and he was like, "It is the most force-like thing that you can imagine." In that, you know, Debbie Reynolds basically decided she did not want to stick around and decided to depart this plane to be with Carrie. And I thought that was quite lovely, and the, and that the brother was like seeing it as a a positive thing that death can be you know, the validation of a kind of love story. And I thought that was really nice. And, um, you know, I think if you look at it that way, it is less a tragedy and more just a, one of the miracles of life in a way. So, hmm, tough stuff. But um, nevertheless, um, good times for Star Wars in general. And, of course, with Celebration coming up in Orlando in April and then episode 9 coming later in the year um, you know again another very strong year for Star Wars right well they, if they're going to cast anybody in the UK they'd probably pick Olivia Coleman because she's always always casting everything like that well there you go um, yeah, the God, I that's horrible <laughs> Um, Mike, sorry to keep you waiting. You, you've come in with some news. That's right. Just uh, earlier this, this afternoon, there was an announcement from the CW Network saying that all seven of their major shows have been renewed for the fall series, uh, for, for the fall season later this year. That includes Arrow for a sixth season, Flash for a fourth season, Legends of Tomorrow for a third season, Supergirl for a third season, Supernatural for a thirteenth season crazy ex-girlfriend for a third season and jane the virgin for a fourth season so there you go all picked up for new seasons this fall on cw oh, for another wow. year yay <laughs> yay i'm sorry we gave the typing monkey the the day off now are you yeah, yeah. <laughs> well to which i can only say when the hell is supernatural ever going to die <laughs> that was my thought when i saw that was <laughs> how uh, many seasons 13 wow i mean that guy, Jensen, is the luckiest son of a bitch on the fucking planet. Because, oh, sorry, on the planet. Because, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, he goes in, he guest stars for a few episodes in, what is it, season four of uh, Smallville, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, we could put you in your own series. I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll make up some mumbo-jumbo, and maybe it'll fly 13 it was in, da- it, was in da- it was in Dark Angel before that, wasn't he? Yeah, something just like that. Yeah, I mean, but but in terms of the CW, it was all about that fourth season of um, of Smallville that got attention with the CW execs, right? <sighs> I don't know. I just <laughs> I can understand that show for a few seasons, but thirteen, my goodness. I've only seen like three episodes of it, and that was when I was in the hospital. 
something. Yeah, so. you got you got to be tied down to see that thing. Um, well, no, it was it was good. It was all right, but it's like I, uh, I, 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 tr- I tried watching the first episode and it's like ah, it just wasn't you know in the mindset. Yeah. Around, oh, Cybob's here! Woohoo! Woohoo! It's now an official show. Yes, we can continue now. Cybob has arrived. <laughs> That's good though. I mean, about the uh, you know the DC stable. I mean, what's interesting is that that renewal is entirely about the invasion crossover, because that actually did do some amazing things in in for their ratings. But of course, you know, CW ratings are not kind of like other network uh, broadcasters. But it did tick up every one of those shows and showed the validity, I suppose, of being able to have a shared universe that you can slide between uh, series on. Okay. Um, I have, have you got have you got Andy in your pocket, Ian? No, I can't find Andy anywhere. But I do want to say really quick, and I promise this will be really quick. Came across a new series. It's a Netflix series, um, and it's called Travelers. It stars uh, Eric McCormick um, as one of the main leads. Uh, it's kind of a time travelish kind of show, and I don't, I don't want to say too much because we're ruining it. But it's a twelve episode uh, season. Uh, it's brand new on Netflix. Um, you'll recognize a lot of people from Star, uh, the Stargate um, stable. Um, it's actually created by Brad Wright. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll notice a lot of cast members from from Stargate uh, cropping up in this show. It's actually really good. It's got a bit of a slow start, but it it, it really kind of picks up steam and it's it, it's uh, very very interesting. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give anything away, but. Um, uh, give it a shot. It's uh, yeah, Travelers and it's on Netflix. Ta-da. That's me. Okay. By the way, well, just a little a little follow up, and this is sort of retro news, I suppose. I discovered uh, I was a little bit sick a few weeks ago, and so I was in bed, and in one of those situations where you sort of just put on Netflix and it rotates to the next thing. For some reason, I ended up in the middle of my favorite Martian, that sixties. Uh, Semi precursor, I suppose, to I Dream of Genie and Bewitched. And uh, I, interesting thing about it, Series Three, which is the only series that is in color, is effectively a time travel show, which I never knew. And they just go from one destination in the past to the other. And if, if you like time travel shows, I want to see comedic time travel. Uh, that sort of is like, I guess, uh, Wild Wild West, sort of vaguely, not exactly. Um, it. You know, it's on Hulu. It's for free. You might as well check it out. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Uh, strangely, that that was the when I did some uh, little video promos for Cutting way way back. Uh, the mm. only one that I, I was asked to take down was because it had a still image of the the actor playing the favourite Martian. I'd done it where I'd put a still picture up and my eyes and mouth were talking through it a bit. I mean, Ian likes the ones where I do Zoe. Uh, Harriet, but uh, um, this one, they, I, I got a message to take it down simply because it hmm. had a picture of a still image of that. Unbelievable. Ray Walston and Bill Bixby are great together. Oh, yeah. yeah. I used to love that show when I was a kid. They used to replay it and stuff, and I, I, I love my favorite Martian. I can't remember a lot of it, I just remember loving that show. 
I mean, it's 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 not the best thing in the world. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's interesting, and there there are some moments where Bill Bixby shows some great comic timing. I think Ray Walston performance doesn't particularly hold up. Um, he's he's often stilted in his delivery a little bit, but but Bill Bixby is pretty amazing in it. Right. Okay, uh, Ian, should I uh, should we let Andy tell us its tale? Yes, if you want to be part of the Cultum Collective, now or in the future, or past, here's how you do it. If you enjoy listening, why not join the Collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a tip client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. We're looking forward to hearing you. There we are. Alrighty, see? That's how you do it. It's as simple as that. And speaking of simple, here's Dave what we're talking about today. Ooh. Is that what you call a segue? Ouch! What you call a segue? Ouch! Ouch! Oh. Any port in a storm? Any port in a storm? <laughs> okay, well, uh, we're going to uh, talk a little bit delayed on um, the... Uh, 2016 Doctor Who special, The Return of Doctor Mysterio, obviously aired first on the 25th of December, certainly in the UK and I believe in, in a number of other countries. Uh, it says on the wiki page it was 60 minutes, but I think my recording is about 62 minutes at home. And um, it, 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 it carries on in some ways from uh, the previous Christmas, uh, uh, the Husbands of River song. But um, let me uh, go to, I've got a number of clips here, which I may not play all of them, but the first one is a, a longish one, just to get us in the mood. And then um, I, I don't know whether you want to go first, Ian, or we may go, if you don't, we'll go to Rick Wall if he's up for it after this quite long clip. Here we go.
sorry, did you say I was expected? Yeah. Who did you say I was? I told her I saw an old guy at the window. Christmas Scrubbed. There you go. So, Ian, do you want to go first or should we let Rick go? Ian, you've got, you to, be... check, you've got to check your bat signal. The bat channel. Oh, I was looking at the wrong screen. <laughs> yeah, Rick, uh, would you like to go because Ian's barking mad. Oh, sorry, no, he's got a dog that's barking mad. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, if you want to start with a uh, negative uh, review first. Oh, why not? You'll please, Mike. <laughs> All right. Um, I I did kind of like that first scene, the, the one that you played. But other than that, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting jaded with the old, uh, oh, don't people know that Clark Kent and Superman are the same people? You know, how can, how can they not see that it's, Clark Kent is wearing stupid glasses, and not you know to to prove that he's not Superman. You know that argument's over with. It's been over with at least for me for five years. Well, of course, they, that's what the boy says. The boy no, that's says. what the whole um, um, show was about, basically. Uh, you know, like when. Uh, um, uh, um, the doctor goes, oh, you can't put on a mask and be a superhero. You're still the same person. Ah. Uh, you know, it's been done, uh, it's been dealt with in the comic books. It's been discussed ad nauseum by fans. It's been in conventions. It's It's dead. As far as I'm concerned, I'm so jaded with that bit, it's not funny. And also, I don't like, um, uh, like there was an episode of Babylon 5 where uh, uh, Dr. Bashir uh, was in a, uh, the equivalent of a uh, hollow uh, deck uh, in Babylon 5. Uh, and he was a secret agent. And there was a real secret agent on uh, Babylon 5. His name was Garrick. He was a uh, um, an alien. And he's sitting there going, you know, this isn't real. Oh, kiss the girl. Get the, uh, get the key. They didn't teach me that in the Obsidian Order. Uh, you know, and it annoys the heck out of me in an episode like that and that's basically what was going on in in the Christmas special and you know I I don't know I'm they try too hard just do an episode if it happens to be Christmassy you know fine if not you know don't I think they're running out of both ideas and 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 stuff just make an episode. If it's Christmassy, fine. If it's not, big deal. Why? Uh, to me, it's a waste of time and energy. 
Right. Have you watched it uh, just the once? Uh, not bothered to I give it another it go? Twice. Right. Uh, and no improvement on the second no. viewing? No. Okay. Okay. Right, well, um, do you want to say anything more, or does that about sum up your thoughts? That about sums it up. Okay, well, look, um, it looks like Mike may have watched this, so, because he's putting text, let's have two negative reviews, so uh, I'm not saying that we won't have a third one, but, uh, Mike, d did you end up actually watching it, and do you want to make any comments? Thanks, Rick, by the way. Yeah, I was feeling uh, rather masochistic, so I wasted 60 minutes of my life. I'll never get those back. Um, just some basic comment here. Uh, terrible Superman parody. Terrible, terrible. The ghost, yeah, it's Superman, and it's it's Lois Lane, and that whole thing going on. And when there are so many, of course, Doctor Who is not a superhero comic show, but when there are so many better comic superhero comic book shows going on, watching this one just shows how bad the writing is. Okay, Moffat. I, I think Moffat was kind of ready to go with at the end of last series. You know, he, I guess he wanted to do wrap things up the way Davies did uh, with the end of series four, is just wrap everything up. But then the BBC gave him one more series, and so, <laughs> so that kind of put in, put a that kind of shot those plans down. And now he has another series to do whatever with. And not not talking about that here. Just this episode, ah, uh, just this episode was just all over the place. And uh, I don't. Didn't see last last the last year's Christmas special. I've read a lot of people mention how the the aliens on this episode were mentioned were part of last year's episode, and the 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 Doctor's companion, whoever that was, was on that episode. Don't know, don't really care. Um, inter uh, whatever. Uh, didn't really think much of the companion. One thing that I that I was hopeful for this episode was that we were going to finally have Peter Capaldi as the Doctor without Jenna Coleman around in the episode, without Clara. But still, maybe this time the Doctor would have some definition to the character. I mean, the, the few episodes that I've seen of Series 9 or whatever what the last series was, I've lost count, um, Peter Capaldi didn't really have any definition as the Doctor. He was, it was Clara. And with her out of the way, maybe he would get that. Not really. Didn't really get anything. Uh, well, it was coming off. It was coming off a twenty-four-year final fling with uh, River Song. If you didn't, didn't see get last those connections year's episode, from, yeah. And if, if last year's episode dealt with River Song, then I'm never, ever, ever going to watch that pile of excrement. Um, but whatever this, this episode. Okay, another episode. Another another point that somebody pointed out was. Um, the TARDIS materialized in New York City. How? How is that possible? Part well, he explains of, that at the beginning. He explains that that's why he's putting uh, that thing a, up. Because he, he, he says he, he's trying to sort that out. But even Moffat, and and again, Moffat lies. But in his in his uh, production notes column in Doctor Who magazines uh, a year or two ago, he's explicitly said that the TARDIS can never ever materialize, ever, at any point in time, ever, again, in New York City, ever. Moffat made quite a point of saying that, but here this just goes against it. But then again, Moffat lies. And that's really all that I have to say about this episode because it was just so forgettable. The producer and all producers lie. Yeah, that's true. 
I saw somebody else mention that maybe Moffat just writes these episodes because he knows writes these episodes these Christmas episodes to be so bad because he knows a lot of people aren't going to be paying attention. They're going to be so wasted after dinner or whatever. <laughs> so they're not paying attention. Which it goes to, goes to a good length to explain why these Christmas episodes are so terrible. Uh, Let me just ask you and, uh, and ask Rick Wall as well. Did you, what did you think about the sort of teaser clip at the end going you know after the as, as the story ended and did you stay around to watch the you know with the bit I with did Bill because it was the, right there at the end of the episode and any anything there I'm trying to get, I'm trying to think of a way I can phrase this without spoiling it anything, was but too somebody, quick I thought you somebody know, yeah some people right. have noticed have have thought that they've recognized a villain from the Tom Baker series from the second from Genesis of the Daleks sorry 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 uh, Destiny of the Daleks and people have been saying, hey, you're going to bring, bring back a crap villain for a crap series of Doctor Who? It all makes sense. <laughs> Why not? But eh, it's it, what all trailers are. It's just, I'm not going to be watching the series, so I don't care. Okay. I, this this episode, I just thought, you know what? It's it's an episode of, with Peter Capaldi without Jenna Coleman. Maybe it'll be okay. And then I got to the very end of the episode when the Doctor mentioned River's song. And, oh, God, you really had to do that? Well, it, it, it's trying to close, close the, the whole show. Store. I suppose it's trying to close. But anyway, uh, yeah, well, it's know, there. props to you for actually, uh, you know, giving it another go. So whether, whether it just uh, reinforced your original thoughts or not, you did at least give it another show. So I am pleased that you did that. Um, uh, and fair enough if, if, if it just reconfirms your decision. Um, uh, I think we need somebody positive. So... Um, as a, I'm usually one that sits on the bench and let me, I'll tell you what, I'll play a clip and then I'll tell you where I'm coming from and then Ian will be able to tell me whether these dogs have stopped barking in a minute. Mm-hmm. You see that little door there? Pop it open. <laughs> now we turn on the lights. Pop the gemstone right in there. What gemstone? The gemstone that I gave you. Pop it right in there. Well, it's more than just a gemstone. It's also like a kind of onboard computer. Come here. Can you see? Can you see that little yellow star at the end of that curve? It comes from near there. Formed in the heart of a red hole. Stabilized in pure dwarf star crystal. The gemstone is intuitive. It knows what you want. It draws energy from the nearest star to make it happen. There's only four of them left in the universe. The apocalypse monks of the Andorax call this one the Hassandra, the ghost of love and wishes. Okay, then. Pop it in. I thought it was medicine. What? It looked like medicine. What have you done with it? Well, he gave me medicine in a glass of water and he said you were a doctor. I thought it was for my cough. Oh, you swallowed it. You can't go around swallowing things. What age are you, 36? Eight. Am I getting get sick? No, 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 no. Quite the opposite. The opposite? What's the opposite? What happened? Nothing. What's wrong with me? Well, I've got a cough and a slight case of levitation. Stay calm. What happens if I don't stay calm? Don't panic! What else do I panic? 
uh, well, let me first of all say that I thought that young actor was brilliant, uh, Logan Hoffman. Um, in fact, I thought the uh, the people acted, but um, the, the the downside for me was uh, I had my son over here was watching it. He was laughing his head off at it and really enjoyed it. Uh, and he hasn't watched a lot of Doctor Who recently, but I I was stony faced through most of it. I'm thinking, oh no, uh, they're going fairy tale again. And in fact. Uh, they've had a Radio Times cover, and, it's, uh, and I think the title on the front of that was A Fairy Tale in New York, uh, which I've, I'm on record of not liking fairy tales. So it, my predisposition was not to enjoy it. And, um, Actually, more I, I, of a comic book. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, indeed, indeed it was. Um, there were scenes I liked. I mean, like, there's one scene where the, the actor comes back, uh, sorry, the... Um, the lad comes back as a nanny and he's all wet and she says you wet and he says I preferred I prefer mild mannered which of course was one of your Superman jokes you probably didn't like but um, there, was, there was quite a lot but I'd, again I, I, I really am not best pleased with Christmas specials um, you know Voyage of the Damned the first half of it grew on me and a couple of the others had the um the next Doctor, uh, and so on. Uh, this one I've watched now, probably, well, if you count the audio things I've done, probably four, five times. And I must admit, it's getting better. And uh, although Mike says um, Moffat's writing is rubbish, it, although I was not entertained on Christmas Day, I, I, I hold my it for, and I think that's one of the downsides, and that's why I asked Rick. I think some people like me, if they if they weren't going on podcasts and other things, would watch it and think, well, that was a load of rubbish, a bit too flippant for me, uh, I've gone off it. But because I had to watch it again, and I mean I had to watch it again for other bits and pieces, um, I actually found myself enjoying more and more of it. Once I'd had the shock of where it was going, and I just actually said, well, I know where it's going, now I'll just relax and enjoy it. I thought it was a very, very clever piece of writing. And I thought the guest stars, um, uh, Charity Wakefield uh, playing uh, Lucy Fletcher, was it? And um, um, Justin Chatwin uh, playing Grant Gordon and The Ghost. I thought they were really good. Uh, they, they were taking it very seriously, playing well. The, uh, the, the Mr. Brock was playing it a little bit like a Bond villain. Um, uh, but... As I say, the young the young boy I thought was excellent. Matt Lucas, um, I'm a bit marmite with uh, Matt Lucas. He was basically doing the throwaway lines that he will do, which um, were quite funny, you know. Uh, Excuse me, where's the little boy's room and things like that. And of course, it wasn't quite clear whether he was with the doctor at the beginning, but then he comes out and he talks into his duffel coat. We assume he's he's spying for the doctor. Um, but there was a lot of clever things. I mean, uh, when the the reporter girl is um, is trying to um, uh, quiz the doctor about what he knows, and she she has that little head figure, and she's squeezing him, and as as a form of torture to make the doctor talk, was was obviously flippant, and the children will like that. But then I'm thinking, well, it, it also relates back to you know the husband of River Song. It's another another head, uh, a bodiless head. Uh, for want of a better way of explaining it. Uh, I, th- I thought the more I watched it, um, the more I thought it was very clever writing. It's just that I don't really want that sort of doctor. I don't really want uh, 
uh, fairy tale stuff. But of its genre, I think it was a, a, an extremely clever piece of writing. And uh, I think anybody who's listening to this, not just on my say so, but whatever else they hear people say today, um, it does bear watching again. Um, and I think once you can sort of, you know, uh, I, I'm going to say this Doctor Who is a dish best served cold. Ha <laughs> ha! There you are. I'm mixing my metaphors up. Um, so um, let me let me see. Um, I, is Ian put? There, are you ready to talk yet? You know, you're muted or what? Yeah, I'm good. Do you want to go and uh, and then I'll play another clip and maybe we'll go to Darth afterwards. I don't have an awful lot to say because unfortunately, with that, like I said at the beginning of the show, I've been moving and things like that. So I've only had the chance to actually watch it once. Um, but based on the big. <sighs> I really loved the beginning of it. Um, I wish there'd been more of that because his interaction with the boy I thought was really great. And uh, even though it was kind of set up, I still thought that it was just a brilliant bit of comedy where he says, here, take this. You know, in other words, hold this. And, you know, like you said, he's a doctor. So he, <laughs> he swallowed it. And I just thought, I don't know. It just, I was in the right mood for it because that just made me laugh. I just thought it was great, and uh, you seem to have a case of levitation. Um, I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed the, the beginning of it. The rest of it was good. Um, again, I'm really going to have to watch it again to kind of really kind of take it all in. You know, whenever I watch it, I watch it on the big, big TV. We have interruptions with Callum and the dogs and stuff like that. So I do hope to have the time to... Uh, especially before we do a commentary on it at some point, um, to sit there and, and watch it through again, kind of uninterrupted, and, and really kind of take it all in. Um, I, too, was a little worried about having Matt Lucas in there. Um, he's, he, he's funny in the stuff I've seen him in, but I... Yeah, I was a little concerned. I didn't really like him so much in, in uh, The Husbands of River Song. And so I wasn't sure what his, um, his role was going to be in this. But they... They kept him, I don't think they kept him to a minimum, it's just whatever, his character was very kind of laid back and wasn't too, you know, too out there or too vocal. And, 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 and the lines he had were very good and very funny. And so, yeah, I, I, I kind of liked them. Um, it, I guess the thing that does bug me, and I'm kind of hoping that we get this picked up in the new series, is how he ended up with the Doctor, because, I mean, I'm going to have to look back at the Husband's of River Song, I thought he died, didn't he? Or did it, he? No, he's got, he got his body back, he said that there's a line where the Doctor says, uh, yeah. it's great because I got your body back, didn't you? Oh, okay. I must have, I must have been interrupted at that point, and, or not listening. Yeah, what are you complaining about, then I get your body back, or something mm. to that effect? That's it, that's okay. it, right, yeah, that's it, yeah. All right. But yeah, I mean, I like origin stories and things like that. And so, the, you know, I like it when, you know, when Rose joined the TARDIS and, and Martha joined the TARDIS because there were changes in the show. And it's like, they just kind of slipped them in there. Like, you know, there was no kind of like, are you going to come along with me? Well, we don't want to do that, you know. Um, so I, I feel a bit robbed that I didn't get that kind of scene between him and the Doctor. As to, as to why he's coming with the doctor, what's his reasons, um, you know, what's what's the driving force behind this character? He's just kind of 
thrown in there now. You know, um, there was the reason for him being there in the Husbands of River Song, but there doesn't seem to be any supporting apart from the fact that the Doctor got his body back. You know, what, why did he decide to go with the Doctor? You know. Well, he was there for. I think he was there for that explanation right at the end. I think he was. The only reason he was there, he was there for comedic effect. Mm. In a couple of occasions, like there's one where the the TARDIS materializes around the Doctor, uh, and um, the lads made a detour. He'd gone to China or something and become a ruler. Uh, or, or, you know, he'd spent ten years there trying to get back to pick the Doctor up. Uh, mm. You know, the, after a five minute chat, it taken him ten years to do that. I assume. Right. Because he says, I rule uh, strongly but wisely or something. Yeah. Firmly but wisely. Yeah, I'm, like, uh, you know, um, what I have to say is a little disjointed because of only viewing it once. It's not the way I like to go into these shows. You know, normally I try and at least squeeze it in right before we start the show so that I've got, you know, all my faculties. Oh. Um, but no, it, it, I, I enjoyed it. And yeah, they have digs at the whole, you know, Superman thing. And while I agree with what you say, Rick, for the casual viewer, I think it's 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 funny, you know, um, because the casual viewer is probably a casual comic reader or just has a casual awareness of comics and the whole Superman thing, and and so I think it, it has that appeal, those jokes. But I can understand where you're coming from too, that that you know. Um, that's all over and done with, and we've you know gone over that a ton of times. But yeah, so I, I kind of enjoyed it. It was a nice little take on it, and it, it was a, a neat thing for Doctor Who, especially with the amount of superhero shows out there. It's kind of a cool thing for for, for Doctor Who to do to to kind of you know dip its toe into that whole arena and like well, what if there were you know a superhero and. And it turns out, you know, the Doctor had something to do with it, and and I kind of liked it. You know, it was it's 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 good enough for me to watch it again. You know, I don't think I've watched the Husbands of River Song a second time. Oh, no. yeah. um, I will at some point watch it again, but you know, um, the, the, this is worth watching again. It was it was fun. It was Christmas light as far as um, you know. We didn't have this you know big emphasis on Christmas. You know. Uh, we can have a nice Christmas story that has a small amount of Christmas involved, you know, where it, you know, it, I mean, that whole intro for the Doctor was great. You know? <laughs> he goes off to ask his mum if, if he can come in. So you're expected, what? And, you know, I, I, I just like that, but that was, it was some great comedy in the beginning of it. It was just, I really, really enjoyed that. It really kind of pulled you in to to watch, you know. So I, th I think that's about me, unless I come up. Okay. Where, where would you have preferred if um, they'd done it more Deadpool-y and he'd actually broken the fourth wall and... No, no, no. The... No, no, okay. No, Deadpool can right. really pull that off. <laughs> okay. And it's the, not the right thing. Yeah. Um, okay, um... I'll play another clip and then we'll go to Darth. Uh, I, I have just muted you, Ken, because we're getting a little bit of buzzing coming through. Just nothing distinct, just um, some buzzing. And uh, I'm hoping you're going to have a very positive uh, note at the end to finish us off. But um, here's another, just a short clip, Darth. This is just over a minute. 
Any questions after today can be handled by Ms. Schuster or Ms. Siegel, who can be contacted on the email addresses provided in your welcome pack. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you had a stimulating day and maybe saw a little of what makes Harmony Show the foremost innovator in science and technology the world over. Like we always say, we're here to open your minds. Mr. Brock, just one more question. I've been looking into your funding, and you seem to have a lot of benefactors for a research institute. Well, the world is changing, Miss Fletcher. Science got sexy. Yeah, but your benefactors? I can't seem to find any of them. Very simple reason for that. I killed them all. Buried them in my backyard. How big is your backyard, Mr. Brock? At the last count, Wyoming. <laughs> Now, if you good people will excuse me, this young lady will guide you to the exit. Mr. Brock. Uh, Mr. Brock. Mr. Brock. Mr. Brock. Apparently, we have one more question. Yes. Uh, where is the little boy's room? Okay. Um, hey, if, uh, Darth. if I can, if, if oh, yeah. I can right. for one second, jump in. Okay. Uh, did anybody else recognize the certain Superman uh, reference in that? Yeah, Ian's just put that in the... Uh, I only heard it in yeah. I just heard it, Mr. Uh, Mrs. Schuster Mrs. Siegel. <laughs> yeah, Simon and, and Siegel, both the uh, creators of... Uh, of uh, Superman. Yeah, I didn't get it the first time around, but as soon as they play that clip, I'm like, oh. I just put it in the text. I'm like, ah, I just got that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Rick. Um, Darth, um, do you want to give us your thoughts? Yeah, and not to mention, it's not just that there's Siegel and Schuster, but uh, that voiceover on a building that clearly <laughs> looks like the Daily Planet. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't understand you guys, really. I bloody love this thing. I don't know why there's such reservation and hesitation about this thing. It was freaking fantastic. It was absolutely hilarious. Maybe it's because I saw it in a theater, and indeed in a packed theater. Um, but there was tons of laughter. There was so much laughter out of this um, show in front of an audience that, you know, I, I miss things because the laughter was so regalious. Um, and then not just in the beginning, which admittedly is a good part of it with the boy version, but throughout. And a lot of the laughter had to do with the precise things that um, Rick was saying he was fatigued with, and that is, you know, the nature of the glasses. Uh, you know, does this... I mean, that is, there is no version, as far as I'm aware, there's no filmed version of Superman in, you know, what is it now, 76, 77 years that hasn't included a Clark Kent that is disguised inexplicably by the glasses. It is just a part of the mainstream version of the character. And while I agree that in later, latter-day versions of Superman, and particularly the one we're dealing with right now in comics, where that is a non-issue, um, you're talking about a very small subset of people who know about that. To most people, if you say... What is the difference between Clark Kent and Superman? They'll say the glasses. You put on the glasses, and for some reason, people don't know. Now, Christopher Reeve makes it more obvious what's going on by compressing his spine, by you know changing the way of the walk and the whole thing. And that's, in fact, what, cleverly, this actor does as well. There is a, there is a clear difference between the way in which the ghost presents himself and the way in which the nanny presents himself. 
And it, it is a, it's a very clear homage to Christopher Reeve. Indeed, the thing that's kind of cool about this is it's not just a riff on Superman. It is a riff on Richard Donner's Superman. You know, down to the um, interview slash date on the rooftop. Down to, you know, the way in which there is a dramatic moment of him flying with her in his arms. It is, you know, in some cases, a shot-for-shot kind of um, homage. And that's what, yeah, and that's exactly what Doctor Who has always done. Whether you're talking about, you know, sort of uh, King Kong with Robot or or whatever, or Frankenstein with Brain of Morbius. This is merely a... This is clearly in the history of Doctor Who and how it takes certain films and in, integrates elements from those films into their plots, but then ultimately the thing is not just about that. Ultimately, they use the homage to give us some sort of other moment, uh, some sort of other feelings. And I, I think that this does it well. Now, that's not to say I, you know, being steeped in the Superman culture... That's not to say that I didn't recognize certain things as, I, well, I don't know what you'd call it, tropes of the Superman myth. Like, for instance, the, the uh, X-ray vision moment, um, you know, in the high school where he suddenly discovers that he has X-ray vision and he can't look at anybody because everybody's naked. I mean, that's, what, episode four of Smallville, basically, in, yeah. in a minute, um, it, up to and including the, the, the levitation part. Nevertheless, in the audience that I was watching, huge laugh. You know, um, I, I, I just, I don't think it's necessarily fair to look at it as ah, Superman, a, a redux of Superman, but rather, how successfully does it get an audience on board, and and what economy is it able to do it and i think that on in those terms it's entirely successful and i think uh, other things you know talking about well this is sort of him without uh who's the clara now that feels like a year ago which i guess it was more than a year ago that there was clara around uh even though it's only an episode ago really but um I I loved it for that reason. I thought he was an entirely different character, entirely more like him. If anything, what this episode does is it presents such an attractive version of the Capaldi Doctor. The eating of sushi, oh my lord. That was such a beautiful doctorish moment. Here we are in a stakeout, and instead of, instead of jelly babies, I'm eating sushi, and yes, I've remembered to pack my chopsticks. Yes, fine, love that. Everything about that felt so doctorous and, and new and yet at the same time evocative of some older incarnations at the same time. It, it, it just made, This episode makes me weep for the amount of lost time I think there was in, in Series 8. That whole dour Presbyterian minister version of this doctor. Um, am I a good man? Of course you're a good man. You're not only a good man, you're an incredibly funny man. And finally, in this episode, I think you had a lot of moments where this doctor was able to be incredibly funny um, or to be in situations that were funny. Like, you know, going back to the top of the episode, you know, if you've got a sickly child and you give them a gym, but it looks like a, you know, a sugar-coated version of a vitamin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and you give them a glass of water, what is the kid going to do but take it as a pill? And the fact he that said he never take even, it. He said take right? it as well. And, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. He says the word. And yet he never considers the fact that that would be the outcome that a human would do. That, to me, is pure and reasonable doctor alienness because it just never occurred to him that the most obvious outcome of that of that scenario would be that the kid would take the pill. And and then that starts the, the whole journey towards superherodom, which, again, I thought that was explained really nicely. I was very worried going into this thing that we were going to, I don't know, have some kind of odd situation where there was simply an unexplained superhero around. And I found that that explanation was fine. It fit into the Doctor Who universe by recalling elements that we had, uh, you know, Sarah Jane Smith held a door star uh, pendant that she used in, uh, or threatened to use in Stolen Earth. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that whole two-parter. And it, and it was great because Sarah had the destructive version, the Doctor has the constructive version, uh, and, and then the little bit of RTD flimflamery of, you know, it comes from a red hole. What the, what the hell is a red hole? Who knows? But, you know, it's one of those little bits of pseudo-scientificery that um, Russell T. Davies used to do so well and that uh, Moffat has occasionally done, but not quite so well. And I just love that it was sort of right in there. Uh, I mean, I guess if you were going to find some bad things about the episode, not bad, but uh, things that you could legitimately say were sort of just reuses from Doctor Who and therefore maybe not original. It is the fact that uh, um, very much like the second Christmas special with um, that introduces Donna Noble, the whole episode has this overhang of a woman that the Doctor loved that he couldn't you know, be in contact with anymore. And then the episode ends... Exactly. And then the episode ends exactly like Runaway Bride, wherein, um, you know, you go through the whole thing and you're trying to figure out, who is he talking about? Who is he talking about? And then you find out, oh, at the very end, oh, it's River Song. And so this ends on River Song. That one ended on Rose Tyler, or just the word Rose. Um, And and that feels like a reuse of an element. And also, I think, you know, he's borrowed from himself in that you get the most charming, perhaps, well, one of the most charming elements of the story has to do with a, a kid, and that's very much like A Christmas Carol, you know, that you have a great moment between Matt Smith and the young Hazron, in fact, several great mm-hmm. moments, and that sort of happens here. So you get some reuse elements from past Christmas specials, and that's a little bit dissatisfying. I, I also found, you know, do I care so much about the River Song 24 years thing, you know? Uh, would that really be so evocative? It's, it's not as if this thing necessarily happens within the 24 years of the River Song date. It's just that it's a coincidence of the number 24. And I... Would that would that trigger, you know, numbers happen all the time you know surely there are other moments that are measured in 24 it's two dozen you know does he think about song every time he 24 it would be is it kismet Kismet or is it i mean like you know 24 so he goes into a grocery store and gets two dozen eggs i mean right is that really such a big deal i i don't know i mean that i think that i can see a rationale for it but at the same time it seemed 
a little bit forced, and yet at the same time, you know, since you're reusing the villains essentially from the last episode, I mean, it kind of makes a duology, you know. I don't know, you know, since it has been a whole year, I'm not sure that the casual audience would necessarily care at all that there's some sort of connection to River Song or would even understand that part. Um, but nevertheless, it, it is minor enough that you can probably imagine that the casual audience doesn't care, I guess. Um, but there, there were just so many moments that I thought were really funny. We're not even talking about, you know, the sort of great moment of the use of that doll. Um, that was a stroke of writing genius, I think. I mentioned that, um, I think, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, to, to bring it out and flesh it out a little bit more, I mean, honestly, that is some genius level writing, I think. Um, to use the doll to not only give character definition to Lucy, but to give character definition to the Doctor. And you need to have a quick way of getting character definition on Lucy, especially um, because we're not spending that much time with these characters, right? I mean, you've got to do something that's shorthand and that really gives you some sort of emotional beat with that character so that you kind of feel for her when, she, when her mind suddenly realizes, well, it's not the ghost I'm interested in. It's actually Grant um, and you know, then you can get these the good, the very good moment at the end. Um, I, I so, thought that moment, by the way, with the doll was the sort of the the adults and children. The children are watching it, think it's Gray squeezing the doll, and all the adults watching it are thinking he's got she's got him by the short and curlies. You know, th- mm-hmm. that's the reference. Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah, 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 literally like that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was just. A spectacular moment, clearly the one that hit audiences, or the audience that I was in, like the most, the hardest. I mean, it was just a brilliant way, I thought, to get emotion from the audience in a very short period of time. Now, some things that really didn't work with an American audience. Honestly, I don't know what the obsession is with with um, Moffat and why he always wants to make these little American jokes, or jokes about the American version of the language um that in the last clip we heard the start of one the little boys room and then the very lame thing of why would you call it a restroom i'm not going to take a rest or whatever it was about literally taking the word rest. i what in the world is that about that's just craziness that is there's nothing funny about that it simply is you know why do you call a flashlight a torch i mean it's you know it's just a difference in the language, and there's no joke to be had there, and why he forced it. I don't even know what that whole scene with Nardole was about. I mean, really, it serves absolutely no purpose to the plot. And then the, the other thing that you mentioned earlier was the thing about, you know, no, I'm not wet. I'm, I prefer mild manners. Mild manners. Yeah. That makes absolutely no impact on an American audience because we don't use wet in that sense. Um and uh, the only reason that I knew anything about it was because that was a description that was given in, you know, Doctor Who magazine about Peter Davison. Was he going to be the wet vet? You know, okay. I mean, I get it from that, but honestly, that totally got zero laughter in the audiences that I was in. So I, I don't know why Moffat likes to do that. He, does, he did some stuff, you know, some poking at American culture in, 
impossible astronaut or that duology and I'm like why why are you doing this? You don't know what you're talking about, so why are you venturing into this area? It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. Um so but I mean that's that is a minor nitpick. A lot of the stuff that, that went on in this thing was just really just fun. And um you know, when I could go back to it and watch watch it in iTunes without an audience, then I was able to pick up more stuff that was uh you know, laughed over in the theatrical thing. And the theatrical thing, by the way, did uh, it, it I don't think it matters now, but it did give you um the very expanded version of Doctor Who Extra for this thing. Uh, usually Doctor Who Extra has been what, ten minutes maybe? Five, ten minutes? Mm-hmm. But this one was a good 35 minutes, I think. And at least at the time that it happened, it was exclusive to theaters. And I don't know if it was exclusive just to North American theaters, if it was a Fathom, Fathom being the presenter of the stuff in North America. I don't know if it was their exclusive or if it was meant by the BBC to be exclusive or if you know it was seen also in British theaters. I don't really know. But it was... It was interesting. It was like a, it was much more. It was much closer to a confidential, I guess, than a normal extra would be. And there were there was some stuff in there that was interesting. There was some stuff that was kind of lame. One thing that was like particularly lame was a sequence where the actor playing Lucy was in the foreground and her stunt double was in the background, and they spent I don't know a minute on. Wow, there are two of us here in the same shot. How is that possible? Okay, that was a little bit lame. But, you know, other things were were more interesting within that. Uh so it was it was kinda of, you know, what what would have been only I guess an hour and whatever it was, hour and five minutes did get turned into almost two hours because there was also a thing on the front end, uh wow, you know, which it, I'm sure doesn't exist anywhere else. Not not nearly as good as a similar thing that happened with the uh, day of the doctor where they had some funny stuff by Strax and um, somebody else. The Paternoster gang, was it? The Paternoster gang, maybe. Uh, sort of framing what Doctor Who was. There was another one of those things, uh, you know, at the front of this, which you know, I guess you got to do in a theatrical environment. I guess you have to assume that somebody in that audience this is the first time they've ever seen Doctor Who and so you give them you know a five or ten minute intro on what the Doctor is and what the TARDIS is and the whole thing Um, so when you add that to the extra to the actual feature itself you ended up um, with a pretty good you know two hour event like an actual movie length thing that you didn't feel Terribly bad paying however the hell much I paid, but closer to 20 than not to see it. Um, but, it, I, you know, I just, something tells me there is just, there's a lot more joy in this thing if you see it in an audience that is just not hypercritical Doctor Who fans, but just, you know, people that watch it whenever they can catch it on a Saturday night on BBC America. Um, it it just it it does work at that level. It works quite well at that level. And you know, the, the things that are interesting about this is even though you know you have the American gags, which really didn't work, the American accents I thought in this thing. I mean, granted, the guy playing Grant is Canadian, so he's got a North yeah. American accent. But the girl playing Lucy, I mean, that's no. 
uh, Nicola Bryant there. You know, I mean, this is not some failure of accent. It was a pretty good accent that seemed fairly consistent with that throughout. Um, you know, that's that's always something you got to worry about as a, an American viewer of Doctor Who is whenever they use American accents, is it going to be any good? And I think this time it really was. I think some of the direction in this was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't... I don't think it was directed as well as Day of the Doctor. Um, but it still was directed well enough that there's no real problem putting it up onto a big screen and thinking of it more as a movie than a television episode. So, I don't know. I just... Uh, I'm not I'm not really feeling the skepticism at all to make a joke um about uh this episode. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was one of the one of the best twelfth Doctor episodes out there. Uh, just let me Ian will be interested in this. I just looked up uh, that actress um and she she actually was in um Mockingbird Lane Ian. She played um Marilyn Munster. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh commentary on that. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. But I think that, you know, there's a lot about this thing that does warrant additional viewings because there are Easter eggs in there, not just this Siegel and Schuster thing that we were just talking about, um, but other things within that, uh, you know, are either evocative of Superman thing. You know, I mean, one of the good things is just going through and trying to figure out, well, what comic did I just see? And you can you can you you can nitpick this stuff, I think, and say, wait a minute, the comic that he's actually reading that's a Superman comic that he's got in comic form, not in trade paperback, not in digital form, but that he's got as an actual floppy comic. How the hell does this kid have that? Because it's it's I'm pretty sure it's something from uh, just immediately post-crisis. So it's, I think it's like an 87, 88. Um, I think it's like Man of Steel. Um, well, that's 24 years earlier, isn't it? I mean, the boy, when you yeah, see the man what? sleeping in his bed, the, it goes back to the young boy who sees the Doctor. When the Doctor arrives, that's 24 years earlier. Yeah, okay, maybe. I mean, but that still puts him, yeah. So no, yeah it is a post-crisis. Yeah, it's it is the 1990s. But, it's, uh, but it's not. I I mean I think that oh, yeah, yeah. before before death of Superman. I think it that's what it looked like to me. I don't oh know. yeah, it was. But yeah, yeah, but it's interesting to look at the thing, the actual stuff that he's got in his room. You know, if you're a comic fan, because some of that stuff is really quite fascinating to look at. Uh, I, I heard a good joke. Somebody said something about. Um, wouldn't it be great if this really was like Man of Steel 1 or Man of Steel 2 or something like that? Like something that is sort of valuable today a little bit. You know, that might sell for like 20 or $25 or something like that. And Peter Capaldi has just actually put, has drawn in it to put the, uh, the glasses over Superman in it and therefore crashed the value <laughs> of the comic book. Or, or, and people were speculating too, did he crash the value of the comic book or because it was now on Doctor Who, has he increased the value of it? Now he's made it a unique piece that wherein the former artist, Peter Capaldi, has <laughs> drawn in this thing and so now it's worth like $200 or something. I don't know. But 
I don't know. There's, there's just a lot of fun stuff that is within the production design of the thing that's, that's really interesting. Um, I, I just, I found it really joyous. And I, I absolutely think it's the best of the Peter Capaldi Christmas specials because they have been, I mean, come on, last Christmas was yeah. freaking awful. I mean, yeah, who, who has know. actually gone back to see last Christmas? Not me. I think last Christmas is almost worse than, yeah, it is worse than Voyage of the Damned. Because at least Voyage of the Damned has some, like, set pieces in it that are kind of interesting. At least it has David Tennant in it, you know. Mm. It's always good value for money. Um, you know, but last Christmas, that was terrible. Um, so, I don't know. I, uh, let me just uh, very hopeful for the next season. I'll just say that. Let me mention one thing. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Franklin is not with us today, uh, but on the... Cultman page on Facebook. It, uh, somebody was mentioning about the name, and um, this is what he's written. I don't know whether you're aware of this or even agree with it. Uh, the reason for the title is that Doctor Who is titled Doctor Mysterio in Mexico, and perhaps oh, yeah. other Latin American countries. So they call the, sh- the show Doctor Mysterio instead of Doctor Who. It's just a play on words that Moffat came up with. Yeah, yeah, it totally was. And I should have mentioned that from the start. It's great because it gives validation to that group of fans, uh, especially in the wake of the, um, the world tour where they stopped off in Mexico City and it was very clear that the show was popular, the, this massive theater packed out with Doctor Who fans from Mexico. Um, but yeah, it is mostly just Mexico. It is not that is it, that's not the case in Brazil, for instance. It's right. not called Doctor Mysterio. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure it's not called that in like Colombia or anywhere actually in South America. This is just a a Mexican thing, and that's great to give a shout out to them because you know BBC Latin America has been working really hard to uh, surface the value of Doctor Who to Spanish speakers, and and their work has really paid off uh, directly south of the border. So. Right. Yeah. In fact, that was the one thing about the entire special that not having seen the special yet that I was most excited about. Just the fact that they put that up there was, um, I think, entirely appropriate and a great way to give a little Christmas present to just Mexico. And All right. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Um, uh, a couple of things. Um, I'm going to play another clip. Um, I, I know you muted. Ken, I will unmute you after I played the clip, and we'll go to you next. Just want to read, Cybob's had to drop off, but he says, uh, I have to go. Uh, I enjoyed the special very much, and I give it a four out of five. Uh, so if anybody else in text wants to put any ratings in, we'll read them out. Uh, I'm going to skip a clip here, Ian, because uh, uh, I don't want to play all these, but uh, I'm going to the fifth clip, and uh, then we'll go. I'll unmute uh, Ken. Okay. What are those brain things? I don't know. It's nothing that needs concern. I'm a reporter. That category does not exist. What are they? Oh, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. No reason not to tell me then. Those brains, they aren't just brains. They're independent alien life forms. And? They migrate from planet to planet. Extracting and replacing the central nervous systems of compatible hosts. And? How many show is a multinational corporation whose true purpose is to extract and replace the brains of key authority figures from around the world and prepare Earth for full colonization? Huh. 
believe me? I don't think you're lying. Slightly different. What has Harmony Shoal got to do with the ghost? Nothing. Ah, so you know who the ghost really is then? No, I have no idea. Oh, stop it! We just went to a top-secret science research facility apparently run by brains from space and a flying man with superpowers turns up. Anybody would assume the two were connected except for somebody who already knew they weren't so. Clearly, you know the ghost and trust him. Nobody trusts anybody without knowing who they are, so you know who he really is. So now you can tell me, who is he? And who is next is Ken. And uh, again, uh, we're just getting some background buzzing as your phone was uh, neutral. But um, thank you for waiting, Ken. And um, the floor is yours. Ken? Uh, Asleep, you did. Right, let me play another clip while we... Uh, oh, I'm, I was, I was oh. self-muting. I'm back. Oh, brilliant. brilliant. Well I, done. I thought Dave put you to sleep. He doesn't. <laughs> well, and I, no, and no, I no. thought, is that the soundtrack? Or is he in, uh, making noises while we're playing the clip? Uh, <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the episode. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, just from that scene right there, we can see that's really silly. It's evocative of like an early 1960s DC comic book with brains that want to take over the world. Um Nice what we're going to of... do today, Pinky? Yes. <laughs> Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Yes. For the world. Or, you know, it's also evocative of the Velvet Web, uh, episode two of um, Keys of Marinus. Mm-hmm. You know, where they, where they have the brains under jars, and especially when the eyes yeah. pop out. I mean, it's a different way of the eyes popping out, but yeah. essentially it's the same thing. Yeah. But mm. I, I really... I mean, I, it, 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 truth to tell, something like Christmas Carol to me is, is is much more true to my heart of something I like for a Christmas episode. Much more to Christmas, really emotional. I'm kind of beautifully dramatic and all that. That being said, this is a great riff on the superhero genre. From the Siegel and Schuster to the wonderfully dead, dead-on Bud Collier Clark Kent Superman voice riff uh, that the actor does uh, as the ghost uh, with doing that. Um, Great homages to Christopher Reeve, uh, the daily planet motif on the building and and all of that. The discussions about Spider-Man and the reality if you got bit by a spider, you'd be like a protoplasmic dead blob, you know, which is really funny. Um, Something Moffat continues here, which he's really good at, is a doctor working with a child. He does that continuously, you know, um, and uh, this is nicely done. And it's a switch. At first, you think it's going to be all about maybe the child and his fantasies. No, it's him growing up and living the fantasies. Um we also have kind of a thing of the boy who waited. He has loved her all his life, waiting through her divorce, having a child, just to be near her. He's going to be her nanny. It's really sweet. He, you know, he's kind of a sap for it all, but it's really sweet. And the the moments of, of screwball comedy that work into the whole revelation there later 
and who he really is, takes the glasses off and she doesn't see him, the glasses are on again. I think are wonderfully done. It 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 works on so many nice levels. The the way the sets are done, it almost looked like a shot like from Dick Tracy, the way they did the city streets, the nice stylization. The the uh the music was great. Um like Dave said, the 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 head baddie is is right out of a James Bond movie, um, which is kind of slight um accent of uh, some uh mysterious uh, European country that he's gonna take care of you. So that that's that's really good. But underlying it all and hearing kind of some of the negatives, it's really disheartening sometimes that that I think that we've lost the sense of just being able to have fun. It's a fun episode. No more, no less. There, there's not a great depth. They, they put in the aspect of River Song at the end for continuity for the regular fan, saying where he's been. But it's just a really enjoyable uh, slice of homage uh, grafted into Doctor Who, and everybody's having fun with it. And what's wrong with that? It doesn't have to have great depth. It doesn't have to be so intricate. And um, I have to have when, when I'm when I'm hearing Mike, you know, kind of getting so twisted about it. You know, lighten up. Your your, your head's going to explode. It's it's not so bad. And it's not something to get that that riveted riveted about. It's fun, and they did a really nice job of it. It's it's a little gift on Christmas, and uh, for more serious things, they'll do that to come. But of but of all the episodes, and I would say, well, the the um, RTD and the uh, the Moffat Matt Smith. They've had some, I think, great Christmas episodes. Things I really, really enjoy. Uh, Capaldi really hasn't had it yet. I know I, I really enjoy the Snowman. I have to say that I think Snowman was really good. But this was fun. The costume looked good. It didn't. It didn't seem fake or anything. The um, Richard Donner uh, homages. Um, the way the flying was done, you know, with her. And, um, I mean, you almost want to, you're going to hear her say, can you read my mind, you know, going to that song. So, you know, all in all, did a really fun job. Um, I um, thought that uh, Nardile, Matt Lucas's character, that was just kind of a throwaway um basically just there to kind of explain things at the end. You know, we'll get more of him to come, but he didn't even need to be in there. You know, could have been anyone, you know, uh, saying those lines. But um, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I I think it uh, was more well-crafted than people would, uh, you know, give it credit because I think it was so easygoing and fun. But it was a it was a good screwball comedy superhero homage to Doctor Who, lots of fun. Okay, uh, I've just got a couple more things to add myself, but I'll just play another clip 
I've skipped a few, but uh, and then I'll just mention a couple of things that come to mind. I didn't mean to imply that there's something wrong with your friend Grant. You know, not everyone can be a superhero. Not everyone can be a nanny. Sorry. He's downstairs right now, and he was supposed to be on a date, and he canceled it, and you know what's really bugging me about that? Who is he dating? Why is that bugging me? Why do I care? something I ought to tell you. Grant, the perfect name. The man I take for granted. Um, really, if you would just look up about now. Always there, always kind, never lies. I even lied to him about this dress, but I don't think he's ever told a single lie to me. Not once about anything. Not once. That's very commendable. Good evening. Please take no aggressive action or your friend's life is over. Mr. Brock, what do you want here? Well, same thing you do, Miss Fletcher. His body. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, when when you were talking about, uh, when you were talking about, uh, you know, the Clark Kent and Superman thing, funnily enough, and you also mentioned earlier that uh, one of the programs you're really enjoying is Supergirl. I, I, I'm watching the Blu-rays of Supergirl at the moment. Uh, and I just went through the episode where um, her boss, Cat, uh, in a, a persona working in a newspaper, uh, begins to suspect that um, she may be Supergirl. And she, in fact, does that, take your glasses off. Uh, she wants to, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, and, um, and I think Supergirl answers back something like, uh, you know, it'll take more than glasses and stooping the shoulders to fool people or something. <laughs> so uh, the other thing is um, when when we had the scene where you know where the screen was splitting up, uh, uh, I think it was when he was doing the telephone. He was trying to trick that her nice. on the phone. But if you notice, the doctor's elbow on that was going across. It wasn't a. Re- it was like a comic book where you have you have the cells of the comic book, but yet you still have one cell intruding on another. Not like they would do on a, a TV. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. A panel. Not like where they would do in like the Persuaders, where they're each in their own box, and the boxes don't. You know, some images right. in one box. Where, where? I mean, I don't know, but I think a convention in comic books, uh, animated books, will be that they will sometimes do that, uh, and things will go out. So it's quite funny when he's walking along and suddenly he sees elbow go out of the frame. And you thought, hang on a minute. I thought that was, you know, matting three or four shots together. Uh, Ian, uh, has, it, has it made you think a little bit more as well about, um, has anything more come to mind with you? Not really, but uh, I'm just kind of, now I'm just kind of dying to watch it again because I feel like I missed so much when I watched it the first time. Um and of course, it was Christmas Day too, so everybody was like <laughs> sleepy. <laughs> mm. So we just had a fill of food and sat down, and you know, I, I really, I really do want to watch it again because, like I said, I really enjoyed the first part of it, uh, the the beginning part. It mm-hmm. really kind of engaged me, and so now I'm kind of dying to watch it again and kind of pick up on everything that I missed. And when, that's the that's the problem about coming to the show like this is that you're like, oh man, I missed that bit. Really, I missed that. Mm. You know. 
but no, I really, I really want to go back and watch it again, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it now. Especially now I've got my office set up, and I can actually just sneak in here and you know put my headphones on and, and enjoy it. And a wonderful yeah, score, and a great score. Yeah, uh, Darth, I take it you've seen it, uh, you saw it at the cinema. Uh, have you watched it on the on the monitor, the smaller screen as well since? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, times. Did, did, and it, it, right. it doesn't it doesn't really disappoint, you know. As you, get, oh, right. that's fact, it. you just you just find more things to watch because yeah, again, this is maybe because of I guess um, you know habits that have been beat into me from watching Star Wars so much because you have to, you know, the, the production design is so rich in Star Wars that you have no choice but to, at some point, freeze the frame and just look all around the screen and try to find things uh, that are there. And that's especially true of Rogue One. Even though you can't, at the moment, freeze the frame, you know, if you go back enough times and you know when to really pay attention, you'll be rewarded by things that you see in the shot that you didn't know were there. Um so yeah, there's a lot to see. There's a lot of reward that you can pick up uh, afterwards. Um, I, but I mean, I just think overall, it's just that you you start to realize how much closer this is to the writer of Coupling than to the writer of Hellbent. You know what I'm saying? It it, it is a it is perhaps his funniest script in terms of being a romantic comedy, indeed, as Ken has just pointed out, a screwball comedy. And indeed, it does it does have a lot of commonality with um, Runaway Bride, I think, in its structure and in, and in terms of what it's trying to accomplish. I, I do think that Runaway Bride was directed better, and I actually think that the score to Runaway Bride is better. Um uh, but nevertheless, it still is more or less a screwball comedy, but it's got some some fairly deep character moments in it, especially as revealing the Doctor. And one of the things that's now struck me is if you actually take this in combination with the last episode and the episode before last, right? So the finale of season nine and then Wedding River Song, uh, you have to say to yourself, well, wait a minute. In effect, the Doctor doesn't remember anything except for the Wedding Room River song. He doesn't really remember anything of the of the Clara adventures, right? So that means he has actually forgotten season eight. He has forgotten asking the question, am I a good man? Um, and, you know, the whole of season nine, the trauma of losing Clara, and so maybe that's the reason that his character is a little bit breezier here. Maybe that's why there is the focus on River Song, because that's the only emotional tent peg he can have. And so right. that's one of the reasons that I'm thinking, you know, as we go forward into this next season, that the next season will be jauntier and lighter, because there's, what is there to remember, you know? I thought you said there was a. I, I thought they said that there was a Clara shaped. Well, he didn't name the, but there was a Clara shaped hole in his life. So he may have remembered the stories, but there was like a blind spot of the, the actual, Clara, companion. Hmm. So he may have he may remember in broad strokes what happens, but not not of the emotional context to it. 
Yeah, that, that's a weird concept. You know, I don't know how that would work out because no, the question he asked, yeah. you know, he's asking Clara the question, am I a good man? So if he doesn't have her to ask yeah. it to, does he remember yeah. the question or what context it was? Yeah, I don't know. But it does seem like that this episode is actually serving a useful function within the broader narrative that is to come, like many Christmas episodes actually do, in that it's a clean break. It's a, it's a place that you can sort of start your viewing of what might be considered the 12th Doctor Part 2 or, you know, the um, red-scarfed 12th Doctor idea. I don't know. Okay. Uh, right. Um, we're coming to the end here. What, what, what I think I'll do, if Ian's okay with this, I'll play the last main clip. Uh, I've got the actual tagged-on teaser trailer, which I don't know whether, Ian, maybe we want to whether we just play out with that rather than talk about it. But um, I'll play the last clip and then perhaps Ian can go around the room and ask anybody uh, if they've got any final thoughts. But here's the, the last main clip from the story. You were away? Oh, 24 years. What a night. Where did you go? Wrong question. What was her name? I'm sure that I must be busy. Better go. You okay? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Things end. That's all. Everything ends. That is always sad. But everything begins again, too. And that's always happy. Be happy. I'll look after everything else. No, don't. Hey, doctor. Keep it real. Her name was River Song. They were together for a while, and they were very happy. And then she died a long time ago in a library. Are you sure he's going to be all right? <laughs> he's a doctor. He's very brave, and... He's very silly, and I think, for a time, he's going to be very sad. But I promise, in the end, he'll be all right. I'll make sure of it. Bye. You never explained. Who exactly is he? Doctor Who? Doctor... Mysterio. Okay, and back to you. Alrighty. So, yeah, that was a great show, guys. Thank you all for coming. I'm going to go quick round the room. Uh, if you get a rating, uh, out of five, four out of five, five out of five, whatever. Um, things like that. We've got uh, at least one in the text chat. Unfortunately, Mad Hal had to uh, leave. Um, and, of course, Cybob left, but left the rating before he left. I'd be saying left a lot. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, let's go around the room. <laughs> so, uh, Rick, uh, rating from you, sir. Uh, Any two. final thoughts? Two. What's that? Sorry. Two? Two. Okay. I get that. Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah. Doctor Who works best when he's Doctor Who. Not a comic book character. Not a, uh, um, what do I want to say? 
um, uh, anime character. So don't try to mix uh, genres. Keep it simple and who, not anything else. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. Darth, final rating, final thoughts? Uh, Doctor Who is the longest-running comic franchise uh, based on a TV series in history, and so therefore it is completely appropriate that at least for a little while we take a detour into uh, more or less proper comic book hero territory, especially when the explanation has its roots firmly within the Doctor Who universe. So uh, I think it um, worked on a lot of different levels for me. Very funny. Um, and again, a very different experience in with with other audience members uh, than it might be if you just watched it on your own. Thank you, sir. I'm Mr. Cudlykin. I'll give it four out of five charges groans. And um, I didn't seem there. Just listening was choking me up. That was nice. Nice. I really do have to, I do have to watch it again. Um, I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a three out of five, just basically based on my first watch. I know it's gonna improve, uh, basically based off of what I've heard you guys talk about. Um, that's the the brilliant thing about this show, other podcasts, is it's it, it serves a good purpose of, of of helping you see it through other eyes, and that's why we we really enjoy you guys coming on here. And um, and giving us your opinions because it, it gives you another you know it gives you a look at it from another vantage point and uh, gives you sometimes fresh eyes to watch it with next time. Um, we've got a one out of five uh, from uh, Mr. Randall Thor, um, and uh, Cybob gives it a four out of five. Um, he said he had to go, uh, but he enjoyed that special very very much. Um, Mike also says, uh, maybe who just isn't for me anymore. Uh, makes me wonder if Chibnall can still, I uh, can even salvage this mess. Oh, we'll have to wait and see. We've got that to look forward to. You know, a whole new showrunner. And uh, Dave, I know you put yep. it in the text. Did you want to yeah, I'll, I'll just, uh, I, yeah, I I, um, I, th- I thought more like two out of five in the first watch. But I think I'm up to a four out of five now. Uh, but I just want to, before I, uh, what I'll do at the end is I'll play the little trailer bit, the teaser trailer, and then the outro. But for that, just want to remind everybody if they if they still want to know more opinions about this, uh, if they give um, discussing who episode thirty one a listen, where they've uh, they've just uh, done their their review, and that's um, Kyle, Clarence, and Lee. Uh, of course, uh, Kyle and Lee join you and me uh, with Lewis on Podshock. And I believe Podshock, at some point, Ian's, uh, Lewis has had a, a rather tricky new year, but uh, mm. hopefully sometime Podshock will get around to reviewing <clears throat> this story as well. So uh, when we said our goodbyes, Ian, I'll play the final clip and the outro, if that's okay. Yep. So uh, after we say our goodbyes, if you don't want to hear the next time clip, if you're trying to keep yourself spoiler-free, if you haven't seen it, you don't want to see it, um, feel free to stop the podcast there because uh, all you'll hear is that and then the outro um, so 
from Dave and I. I would want to thank you for joining us, and uh, please join us, of course, next time. Dave, when's our next show? Yeah, we thought uh, we've been doing the last Sunday in each month, so we thought we will come back with the last Sunday, which we may be able to discuss something like Sherlock. Uh, somebody was asking before the recording started about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Sunday the 29th. If, if the third episode of Sherlock has aired, uh, we may cover that. We can't cover class yet, really, because I think that doesn't get uh, doesn't air till about April uh, right. in the United States. And uh, of course, um, <coughs> uh, the, sorry, excuse me, uh, the Golden Globes will be uh, starting in about uh, about four hours, I think, uh, for those people listening straight after we upload. Ready. Okay, so uh, we'll see you on the 29th, um, or you'll hear from us on the 29th, whichever you prefer. So until then, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian. What? (laughs) It's not a leap year. There is no 29th. Is it January? It's not February we're talking about. Oh, my apologies. I thought we were only doing one. Realized we were doing two. I was like, yeah, this this is an extra one we're doing for the Christmas special. Ah, we've been do- okay. we've been doing we've been doing the last Sunday in each month. So, but we didn't want to wait till the end of the month to do the Christmas. This is a bonus one. This. Sorry, I didn't realize we were there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cheap at half the price. You're all lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, well, thank you all for joining us. I'll do this again. It's goodbye. Well, I'm Mr. Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. I'm Bill. I serve Tim. He's a professor, or a lecturer, or as I call him, Doctor What. And now we go everywhere. Spaceship. Any space? Where are we? Which way, sir? Who's the toilet? Can I use the toilet? Any time. Get in! Ah. And now I see everything differently. Where are we? We're in the middle of a war. Ah. And it's not as bad as it sounds. I'm the doctor. I will save all your lives, and when I do, you will spend the rest of the wandering where I was. Are you out of your mind? Yes, completely, but that's not a recent thing. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.